Showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. Oh, and welcome to episode 57 of Saturday Matinee Theater, brought to you by your friends at the Long Box Crusade. We are back in jolly old England in our recording studio set up at 221B Baker Street. I am your host, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Cove. And joining me, as always, is the Watson to my Sherlock pet, Samson, a.k.a. DJ Cristados. How are we feeling today, Dr. Cristados? Oh, Jared, I am feeling fine. I have been walking around here, tasting some of the samples of the wee bit of Scottish gift to the civilization that has been around here since we're here in jolly old England. Haggis? Oh, no. No. Oh, the liquid. Oh, all right. Sounds like you. That sounds like you. So you're going to have a fun episode. That's what you're telling me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I'm just (laughs) here for the fun times. Yep. So I like to hear. I'm going to have a good one. Well, let's check in on the Mycroft to my Sherlock. It is the older, wiser brother. It is Jason, the Weasel Skull, Albrickin. How are you today, Jason? I'm doing great, Jared. I was thinking I came up with a brilliant idea because, you know, our rent's due in a couple of days. And I noticed that Sir Sean, bless his soul, left all of his smut back in his room. And some of that's kind of worth some money. I was looking it up on eBay. So I gathered it all together, and I thought maybe we could flip it. And, wait, what is that? That Sean? He who tries to shell my schmutt shall get my right foot in his butt. Sean, I is it really you? I, I thought I thought you were gone. I, is everybody else seeing this? I hear a lot of talking. You best not rent my room to walk in. It is Sean. Or Sean, or Sean you wouldn't have, happen to have a wee bit of something for me. Oh. Or at least tell me where you stash some a little. I would tell you where to find my stash, but I'm shaving it for my ghostly ass. <laughs> oh, Sean. Oh, I'm sorry. We really need the rent money, though, Sean. I mean, can't you give us a pass on this? Come on, man. You'll regret the day you were born if you dare to touch my porn. Ooh, don't touch Mary Jane either, but that's not personal. That's for your health and safety. Ooh. When does Sean get into hip-hop? That's actually <laughs> some good advice. I've <laughs> <laughs> hip-hop for life. Oh, well, okay, guys. Sorry, I guess Smut goes back into Sean's room. Ooh, damn straight. Ooh. Recipe, Sean. How do we follow up the ghost of Sean Connery here in the studio? Good luck with that, but let's check in with our favorite constable. It's Delvin the Dark Web Wilkins. What's up, Bobby Wilkins? You know, I really can't. I'm just going to let that one stand on its own. In fact, what it really needs actually is its own emblem. Just one that symbolizes class and dignity, and it has its own power of steering and just modern. (laughs) Oh, I I see where you go with it. You swerved. (laughs) To a different, huh? All right. I, wasn't, I, was, I was there, classy, and then I was like, yeah. you know what? I, I pulled it back. I was, I was good. Yeah, I right. We'll make it all make sense shortly, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. All right. Now, before we move on, we have a guest here with us this evening. I would like to welcome Crusaders Club member, Mr. Rob Morgan. Welcome to 221B. I hope you're impressed. Greetings and salutations, gentlemen. It's good to be with you again or for the first time. Mm. It's a mystery. <laughs> We might have recorded two things. You never know. But, Rob, you get to answer the questions that all guests get to answer here at 221B. 
Rob, what is your first memory of Sherlock Holmes? What's your favorite version of Sherlock Holmes? Wow. I think the first memory I have of Sherlock, you know, he's one of those characters that's been around forever. I mean, I'm old, but, you know, Sherlock Holmes is older than me. Did any of you have, I can't remember, was it a big little book? Of the Hound of the Baskervilles. Oh, did you ever have yes, any of those I little did. books? Yes, um, I did. I'm pretty sure that's my first Sherlock Holmes product I actually consumed. Favorite? I'll probably get kicked off the show for this. Is probably the Cumberbatch show. First season particularly. Nothing wrong with that. Kind of, Nothing wrong with okay. that. All right, that yeah. first season was really I, I was afraid, good. I was afraid Basil Rathbone might be the only correct answer. Most people give us Jeremy Brett as the most Jeremy common. Jeremy Brett. Uh, okay. Yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with that, man. Cover Patch is totally cool. Speaking of totally cool, I'm going to pass it back to Pat to tell us a little bit about the show. Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. Saturday Matinee Theater is a retro review, sometimes indexed show brought to you by the Lombox Crusade, where we will be taking you back to the past with some potentially overlooked retro awesomeness in the realm of television, movie serials, or films. Basically, if it's vintage and it's kind of forgotten, we're going to dig it up. On this episode, we will continue our indexing of all 39 episodes of the 1954 television series, Sherlock Holmes. 1954 Sherlock Holmes was produced by Sheldon Reynolds. It starred Ron Howard as Sherlock Holmes and H. Marion Crawford as Dr. Watson. So take off your deerstalker cap, light your pipe, get cozy by the fireplace, and let the soothing violin music of Mr. Sherlock Holmes whisk you away into the past. But don't forget to bring a scheme or a notion. All right. Well done, Pat. Well done. Violin sounds good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's how many episodes have we done? And it just sounds sweeter every time. Every I time. Am. You nail it every, every time. Every time I just give a little bit more love. Rob, do you play any musical instruments? I play a little bit of piano, but not well enough to even mention. Let's find that yeah, out. I, I can find a couple of chords on a guitar. Yeah, I stopped music lessons, I guess, when I was not much older than when I read that big little book. And uh, there's a piano upstairs. But All right, I, let's hear I, I would let's need a refresher course if I, play, if I need nope. to play it. No refresher. Play it now. Sweet, mm. that was sweet. Hey, fellas, awesome, yeah. modest man. That's what he is. You know, he was trying to act like he wasn't good, and he's you know, really majestic. It was you set expectations low so you can exceed them. I got so inspired. I think I'm going to grab my violin and uh, give this give this another go. You know, you know, we're kind of short on time. Yeah, right? like, yeah. because like we we added the whole <laughs> thing about the commercial. Like yeah. so, we should just go to the commercial. I think. Fine. I think that's fine. A good idea. No, I get what you're saying. It's you're, it's probably for the best. You're probably right. It is. You suck at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my. Well, before we hand it over to Delvin Hurt Feelings Williams for this episode's info, let's <laughs> take a look, or in this case, a listen to a commercial that we've been playing at the time this episode was released back in 1955. This will help us get into the right time frame of mind, if you will, and transport us back to the 50s. For this episode's commercial retro rewind, we have 
1955 Cadillac. Marty, it's your kids. (laughs) That's funny. No other mark of identification speaks so clearly of the product that bears it, as does the famous Cadillac V and Crest. Here, it adorns the hood of the 1955 Cadillac. This magnificent new Cadillac presents truly thrilling beauty in every detail and from every angle. Inside, you see luxury and graciousness with modern fabrics and unusual beauty of appointments. And on the road, Cadillac's masterful 250 horsepower engine, its incredibly smooth hydromatic drive, and its advanced power steering provide the finest performance in Cadillac history. Truly the Cadillac V and Crest have never before represented so much in quality and beauty and performance as for 1955. See it today at your Cadillac dealers. All right. Cadillac 1955. Delvin, go. I don't really, I was hoping for something funny and or clever, but there was nothing funny or clever really about the commercial, other than it was kind of a sleek vehicle. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, trust me, if somebody were to refurbish that thing today and put like, you know, I don't know, a Hemi up in that son of a gun, I mean, they would be the cat of the walk, I personally think, because there's nothing like a classic vehicle. So that 55 Cadillac, it looked, that had to be sharp on the road then. I think it would be sharp on the road now. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck. Nowadays, <laughs> all it would take is for that thing to you know, even merge and accidentally bump into one of the electric cars and it would just explode. Because <laughs> you know Caddy was made of some firm stuff. <laughs> it's like titanium or something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those those vehicles were so safe. You can hit the freaking, you can hit a bus and just come out with a couple of scratches. So, yeah. Well, I liked it. One thing I noticed about it that made me think about you, actually, Delvin, was you and I have joked in the past about car commercials. And I think we were in a marketing class together in college. And at the time, and maybe still, I don't watch a lot of live TV anymore, but at the time in the 90s, it was like really all car commercials were kind of like trippy and just plays a little music and the car goes through like the weavy windy roads and they're yeah. like if, if you have imagination and if you want a pretty girl uh, <laughs> you know and it was like all weird and trippy and then they got even weirder remember those commercials with Matthew McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah man life is, life is a journey bro and, and we you just to gotta laugh. ride it like what yeah, you need to that. breathe into this Mr. McConaughey <laughs> I don't think you should be driving this or any other vehicle we would Delvin and I would laugh about that in the marketing class. And I remember Delvin specifically used to say, whatever happened to the days where they would show you the vehicle, <laughs> tell you what's cool about it, and then you just make your decision. And that's exactly what we had in 1955. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I was engaged. I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, go on. <laughs> I'm sitting there looking at it like it's got power steering. I'm like, yeah, I like it. Like, even if you took that car to today, it could probably get outrun by your standard <laughs> four banger, but still, like, I mean, it is a classy MF and ride. So, yeah. yeah. Jason, I know you're chomping at the bit to talk about the miles per gallon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm currently working at, in my day job. I'm working on a rule for a zero emission vehicles within the state of Washington. Not sure that one's going to uh, <laughs> make the cut, but oh, what a sweet, beautiful ride that is. And you guys said it all. I thought, man, this is definitely, when you have a car that's that's classy, just let the car speak for itself. 
The narrator says a few words. Here, here. All it needs to do is just rotate on that sucker and show me that car, and I'm there. It's beautiful. Jason's dirty secret is he's rolling up to work in one of those cars. I would. Don't think I wouldn't. Don't think I wouldn't. I'd be like, like, I pay my taxes. The thing about it is, too, though, because the seats, you had the bench seats in there that's like, oh, man. Bench seats are great, man, for the ladies. Yeah, it's not going up to your lady. Mm Mm-hmm. Up here, my nigga, that cake song, Stick Shifts and Safety Belts. <laughs> Bucket seats have all got to go. Oh, never mind. Uh, you know what? Let's hear from Captain Rob Morgan. What do you think of the Chevy, man? You driving that thing or not? Uh, it, was a, it was a fine-looking vehicle, Clark. It, the commercial was a little before my time, not, not too long, I don't guess. But uh, it kind of threw me back to, you know, I was a kid. The Cadillac, that was the rich people's car. Mm-hmm, now you see Cadillacs mm-hmm. all the time. But when I was 8, 10 years old, the Cadillac was the rich folks. And that commercial definitely kind of screamed that this was the premium car of the day. Mm-hmm. It was nostalgic for me, even though it was from well before my time. The first Cadillac I saw was in color. It wasn't in black and white. <laughs> Rob makes a good point because that brand was so pervasive for that. People to this day say, oh, this is the Cadillac of whatever. Like it's absolutely. Absolute <laughs> yeah. Bruce Springsteen wrote a song called Cadillac Ranch just for that purpose. Our grandfather. Remember, he always wanted a Cadillac, and then in the 80s or early 90s, he got one, and that was like one of those, it was a used one, so it was one of those early 80 models that its trunk was so large, like I I think some Navy aircraft tried to land on it a couple times, oh, sorry, (laughs) we we thought you were the Lexington. (laughs) My granddad was the same way, and just two or three years before he died, my dad actually bought him a used 1981 Cadillac. It looked just like the then current model, but y'all, it had an eight-track tape player in it. Mm. It was it was balling. Oh um, my goodness! And it was uh, it was about like driving in a barge, but it looked <laughs> brand new. But it was giveaway when you got in, and you could pop it and. My dad still had some A-Tracks at the time, and so we listened to some A-Track tech in that Cadillac. Nice, nice. DJ Cristados, bring us home, man. Are you driving that Cadillac? Is that something you'd roll in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know I'd roll in that thing. I actually like this commercial. It brought me back to some really good feels as when I was a young kid. My dad has a garage. And he did a lot of fixing up. He was a mechanic. He worked on old cars, so 57 Chevy, things like that. So it took me a lot of car shows. So this is right up my alley of really coolness. Nice, nice. Bringing back the memories. Yeah, definitely. We all love the Cadillac. <laughs> Gas mileage be damned. We're all rolling in it. Don't care. I'll take it. <laughs> Man, it was cool. And a good commercial. Awesome. Well, I forgot we were here to talk about Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all did. (laughs) Delvin, do your thing. Yes, sir. Episode 35 of Just Four Left to Go was titled The Case of the Haunted Gainsborough. The original air date was 4 July 1955. Good old Independence Day. Happy The director was Steve Previn. The writers were Charles and Joseph Early with guest stars Archie Duncan as Malcolm McGregor. Cleo Rose as Heather. John Buckmaster as McLeish, Zach Matalon as Archibald Ross, and Roger E. Garris as Sam Scott. 
As a reminder, all 39 episodes are available on YouTube. We highly encourage you to watch this episode before proceeding with this podcast, because not only is it just more fun that way, but Jared is about to give a synopsis about this episode, and then we're going to discuss it. So there are probably some spoilers heading your way. So again, if you haven't watched this episode, we recommend you pause here, go check it out on YouTube, and then come back to join our discussion. And at only 26 minutes per episode, it's not a big time demand. For those of you who are watching along with us, we'd love to hear your insights. Don't forget to comment about the show on Twitter using the hashtag I'm following homes. Jared. Hashtag I'm following homes. Jason. Ooh, hashtag I'm following homes. Boo. <laughs> Pat. In the spirit of ghostly Sean, hashtag I'm following homes. That was, you know what? Never mind. Keep moving on. Rob. Hashtag I'm following homes. And Delvin. Hashtag I'm following homes. Wait, why did I mock my own voice? I'm not quite sure. Well, we'll dwell on that as Jared reads the episode summary. McGregor needs Holmes's help. He's trying to sell his valuable painting, but the subject of the painting, Heather, is apparently a ghost that's haunting the painting. Malcolm needs to sell this painting so he doesn't lose his castle in Scotland. It doesn't take Holmes long to figure out that Heather is actually an actress who is gaslighting all the potential buyers on behalf of the evil landlord Archibald Ross. McGregor has until midnight to sell the painting to the American Samuel Scott. Will the well-played ghost ruin the sale and McGregor? Or will there be an even larger secret reveal? And will I ever get the honor of being piped into a room? Maybe someday. Oh, I can do that for you right now. Okay, go for it. Well, well, let's see if everybody wanted to give me your pipes right now. Oh, uh, nope, never mind. Well, nope, never that's mind. the pipe we're talking about. Uh, you know what? I'm going on mute. Don't trust him. Let's just get into the highs, lows, and what this for this episode. As you guys know, we do two rounds. You get to say one thing in each round. Pat, one yeah. thing. One thing. Okay. Either a high or a low or a what the play by the one rules. Thing that leads into another. Nope. Nope. So we're going to start with our guest, which is Rob Morgan. Would you like to start with a high or a low for our round one comment, sir? At the risk of getting kicked out of the Crusaders Club, I'm going to start with a low. You got a grade on a curve. It was released in 1955, but it was just a lady on the stairs. Use some dry ice or something. Make, <laughs> at least make me think it's a ghost for 20 seconds. I think Shaggy and Scooby could have cracked this one while the rest of the gang Hung back at the malt shop. It's just a lady on the stairs. Go up there and grab her. 
Uh, so, sorry. This is my first episode of this, and I'm not sure it was the best one for me to watch first. <laughs> Zoinks, yo. You may be right. But I don't know. Maybe we'll get some other perspectives, like Delvin's perspective. What do you think, Delvin? Rob ain't that far off. It's funny, because clicking on the link on YouTube, the first comment that I saw said something like, this is the best episode of the series. And I saw that, and you know how I am. Like, that set an expectation for me, like, ooh, ooh, I'm ready for a five. It's going to be like the one with that, that murder mystery where the dude was stacking bodies on oh, the yeah. stairs or freaking, um, uh, Harry Crocker. Dude? Thank you, Harry Crocker. It was, oh, I thought it was going to be one of, I thought it was going to be one of those. I was looking forward to it. You have my mouth all set for, you know, a good, tasty Holmes mystery. And then it's like, I was intrigued, but, then, like, once the conclusion came, it was like, yeah, that was kind of really the only solution, wasn't it? Hmm. I mean, the buildup was good, but the delivery at the end, it did kind of get a little bit flat, I thought. Fair enough. I could swear we saw an episode before in our previous 30-somethings that kind of had the same flavor, kind of into the same I way. the same thing, too. Okay, like, well, it's your, it's your turn, Pat, so I'll, I'll give it to you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, since we got some downers here, maybe you wouldn't mind me doing a little extra here now, huh? So, Pat, come and prepared. Don't set yourself up. <laughs> Best comment, a comment right. from Pat in the series. <laughs> but, yeah, I was feeling the same way, too. I'm like, did I watch this one as it started? Have I seen this one before? What? I had to go look to the calendar because, you know, I use the schedule on the calendar to see what we have that. to do. And so I looked to see what was happening and like, well, I guess we haven't gotten it wrong because Jared wouldn't steer me wrong. Ever. Ever. So I start watching it and then I have to say, I'm going to just say it before anybody else does. Come on. The minute we saw Lestrade, Archie Duncan playing his character again, <laughs> that's what made me think of it. Like we've seen him play this guy before, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cousin, something like that. Yeah. That was, that was his cousin. They I'm did like, go oh. to Scotland that one time. Yeah. And I could swear we watched one where it was like, uh, oh, we're about to lose everything. But, but wait, I found the secret treasure. I could swear we've seen that before, too. Yeah, so yeah there was the one that there was a secret room in the castle. That yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Oh, the word that with the, was it where, no, was it where the candle was blowing out? Some, I don't know. Anyway, Jason, take it away from Pat before he keeps going. Piping himself in the room. He's piping himself in the room. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Piping in the weasel (laughs) scoff. No, I'm with you guys. The one thing that really got to me was when they set up this elaborate trap, right, on the steps to get the ghost woman. The steps aren't that big. One of you hide on the left. One of you hide. This plot is too complicated. Once she walks by you, grab that. (laughs) Grab her. Case closed. Son, yeah, how, how does she get into the when we find out that it's a little secret door that opens up? How does she get in there when she passes it? I don't know. And how did Holmes not notice or Watson not notice? They, yeah. right they got you. Yeah, so they're, they're, yeah they're, they were they're standing right there. She walks past the entrance to it and then they go find it later. And does does she then duck down and go, I can get into the door? <laughs> she gets down on your crawlers and crawls back. After she's gone past it on foot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just thought this is just ridiculous. 
The only excuse I can give it is I do feel like I mentioned my summary. I kind of felt like Holmes had it all figured out from the get-go, but he was more interested in figuring out what's behind it. He knew what was up. He wanted That's to know reason, why. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, it's it's back to Rob at the top of the order. Rob, this is your last chance, so make it a good one. Well, I'll go with the good because I, I think you're right. Holmes knew from the start, and I, I kind of liked the way he played it. I mean, Watson was kind of ridiculous. You know, he needed his painting couch every time the lady came out. And he was freaked out by the sound of a bell. Uh, you know, <laughs> come on. Come on, uh, saddle up, Watson. We need you to uh, keep your head here. But yeah, I felt like Holmes knew. He found the glove at the beginning. He knew there, there wasn't a ghost. And he was just puzzling out why it was happening, not what was he. So I, I did like the portrayal of Holmes and went and read a little bit about the kind of the way they cast him and mm-hmm. we're trying to make him more like the Holmes in the original novels and short stories and I enjoyed the Holmes portrayal in it. Well that's good. I'm glad to hear that you got some enjoyment out of it. Delvin, round two. Not much to add. And that kind of just speaks to the mystery itself. I kind of like that they had an American that came over. Something <laughs> he, about that he was definitely American, wasn't he? They were playing he that had up. that authentic Texas accent until he had put some time in the Lone Star State. I need to tell them there are 49 other states because every American comes from Texas. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I was well, gonna say it reminds me of those early episodes when they had that cowboys over for their cowboy show or a rodeo show mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. When I was on Ascension Island, little tiny island that's owned by the Brits, seven, eight years ago. There was some meme or gift or whatever going around, basically like how British see America. <laughs> and like one of the states that they could readily identify was Texas. And then one other was Florida. And then like there's a large mass that no one knew what the hell it was. <laughs> and there was like California. So Texas is just one of those states. And I mean, Texas is Texas. I've lived in Texas. Jared lived in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. I've lived in Texas. You live in Texas? Yeah. Yeah. Stationed there at uh, Fort Hood. And then uh, Jared and I grew up there when our dad was stationed there as well. Word, word. And I've lived in Texas six, six and a half years of my life. So yeah, Texas, it has a flair. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, so it's it's easy to see how somebody from across the pond could think that American equals Texan. And in a way, kind of, sort of, it does. <laughs> Excellent. Pat. What you got, man? Well, I think there's been a few things mentioned already here with Watson and Holmes getting duped. I thought their scheme was going to work. I'm like, oh, man, they're going to catch her right away, and then it's going to be over with. And then they got duped by not grabbing her. I'm like, what? The, what's going on there? And then how she escaped on the patio area or whatever that area was out there. Uh, parapet. Parapet area. Okay, whatever. Parapet patio. You know what I meant. It's outside. <laughs> Uh, I thought that was cool, though, because I was like, yeah, how'd she get out of there? Because And then she was just, you know, talking back to him, too. Is like, you dropped a glove. But we never saw her at the door at Holmes' house with the glove. So how did that glove actually get there? She had a long secret passage. <laughs> All the way to 221B. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, what's happening? One thing I wanted to say, and I think Delvin mentioned it before in his first round, was the stairs. Is this the same set? Yep. Okay. Same I thought I'm like, we, we even mentioned that on the episode yep, of Dr. Then, G. Now I start looking out for it. I'm like, I think this is the same set again. So mm-hmm. I want to, and they've been around. So, and the only other thing I wanted to say is I thought the minute they took off that new post, I was waiting for somebody to say, I fixed the new post. Okay. Christmas vacation. Got it. Yeah, all right. Oh, okay. Okay. Jason. Angus is my last round. 
pick it up a little bit. Make it a little more weasel skull. Piping in the weasel skull. Thank you, Angus. Great job. Great job. All right. My last one's going to be a what the? The ending. Did anybody understand it? Because I thought they were setting it up for the final conversation with Holmes and the lady. And then it was going to be revealed, like, maybe she really was a ghost. I thought we were going to get yeah. that twist. Yeah. And then it just steps into the fireplace. <laughs> like, what? I thought they were kind of saying that she was a ghost. Yeah, like, maybe she was a ghost. Ha, ha, ha. Like, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I thought, was well, there another secret passage in the fireplace? I, That's what I thought. It's like, you caught me, but I'm going back into the secret passages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I thought they were just trying to play, be playful, like, oh, maybe she really was a ghost, you know? And it's like, no. Well, I thought because they, they've had a an episode before where there was the guy that was pretending to be the ghost with the apparition. And so I, I know they had better ghost-like effects they could have used. I thought they mm. would have used something like that to yeah, uh, Back to, to Rob's initial point. Like, it was just half-assed ghostery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right, Rob. It's another example of half-assed ghostery. Yeah. So that was, that was mine. It was a what the, I, this, this one didn't, yeah, it didn't tickle my tummy feathers. No, I, and while we're complaining about the end, I thought it was pretty funny because the main villain, I think his name was Archibald Ross. He was the evil landlord. Yeah. He was like, basically tough titty. It's midnight. I own the place. I own everything you're holding. And they're like, no, no, we can get you on conspiracy. And I'd be like, blah, 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 blah. No, seriously. That's my shit. Y'all get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Watson Watson got all indignant. He's uh-huh. like, you you hurt my feelings. And because you hurt my feelings, you can go to jail. Huh? Yeah, I was like, I don't Damn. think that's a legal precedent, Watson. <laughs> I was expecting him to look over. Right, Lestrade? <laughs> I'm not Lestrade. Oh, oh. I will say, though, the one bright spot was the bagpipe guy. The bagpipe yeah. guy that bagpiped everybody in. Because at first I thought, well, maybe he's in on it. But then when the real bad guy showed up and the guy's like, don't think I didn't notice that you didn't pipe me in. He's like, oh, we only pipe in the people we like. <laughs> well, yeah, he was, was balling. <laughs> You're hired. <laughs> All right. That's the end of our official highs and lows round. Does anybody have any burning highs or lows they want to get off their chests? I did all mine, so. Okay, good. In that case, let's get the fun facts with Jared. You guys might have noticed earlier that Richard E. Garris played Sam Scott, the guy from Texas. And in fact, Delvin read that for us. And Richard E. Garris played Sam Scott. And we might have heard that name before because Delvin's read it a couple of times. Here's the thing, people. He's actually a writer on the show. He wrote three episodes. He wrote The Tyrant's Daughter, which I don't remember. The Baker Street Bachelors, which I do remember because they were going. Isn't that the one where they're going to like the love club to to make a love connection and all that stuff? I think it was. And 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 watching the guy that would run into a poison filled room wasn't going to go into a matchmaking room. (laughs) No, boy. Nope. And he wrote that Eiffel Tower episode when they went Uh, to France. So it was kind of neat that the Texan guy was actually a writer on the show. That's my only fun fact. All right. (laughs) So with that, let's get in to the pipe. Ratings. You guys know how it works here. You have five pipes laid out in front of you. If Pat did his job, which he probably didn't. Let me go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. If you give all five of your pipes, that means you loved it. Four means you thought it was very good. Three, it was good. Two, it was just okay. And one, I did not like it. And I'm going to throw this in. 
if you want me to pipe you in, you can give me all five of your pipes and I will pipe you in on the next shows going forward. Mm, that's an offer. That's enticing. Like. It's enticing. Yeah. Probably should refuse. Okay. So let's start with Delvin. I'll give it a three. I wasn't unentertained, but there wasn't anything that lifted me above that three threshold. So let's keep it right in the middle. All right. Jason. I'm going to have to be a bummer, go a little bit lower. I'm giving this one a two. Wasn't really enough humor, not enough plot, not enough mystery. And just maybe I'm being unfair because the last couple have been really, really good and it set my expectations too high. But I've got to go with a two on this one. Fair enough. Fair enough. Pat. I'm with Delvin on three on this one. I found it fun and enjoyable. The suspense was once you figured out what was happening, wasn't there, but I really did have fun. And and as we're getting to the end of these, as many as we watch, I just know these are just fun romps for a half an hour, 26 minutes. Man, I enjoyed myself. Oh, good. I like that, Pat. I do. Rob, go ahead and shatter that. Uh, I'm probably going to give it a two as well. I mean, I didn't hate it. And hearing your reactions to it encouraged me to maybe check out some of the other episodes because... If you're liking the other ones and you also didn't think too highly of this, well, that tells me the others are better. And it was fun. And again, you know, it's 25 minutes. I watch one at lunch. So I probably will go back and visit some of the earlier episodes that I haven't seen. All right. Well, if you do that, I got a podcast I can recommend for you. Uh, <laughs> and at the end of the day, man, I feel like if Joe November was here, I'd do a 2-5. But you know what? Pat, you inspired me. I'm going to give it the three just because you inspired Ooh. me. That it's fun to watch. No. And, you, and you lifted me up. And I did like the atmosphere, like the creepy mm-hmm. vibe yeah, atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. it didn't pay off. But no. <laughs> I liked the, the atmosphere. It was overall. more creepy when there was no ghost on the stairs than when there was. Yeah, that's fair. And with that, we will get into the 221B mailbag. We are thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes. They get to vote on show content. They get entered for raffle prizes. So much more. These are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Alec Wolf. Oh. Auburn Elvis. Bill Bear. Blast it or Stash. Braxton or Underwood. Clinton Robeson. Dave Collins. How do I Gary V. Gerald Green. Jason King. Jeremy L. Tim Jarman, Tim Jarman, Tim Jarman, Tim Jarman, Tim Jarman, Tim Jarman. I hope you like Tim Jarman too. I know you just do that for for Jason. And yourself. And kind of for Jim. I don't know if he listens though. I don't know if Jim listens or not either, but it, it is amusing. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Jose Pollo. Josh Strickland. Suckers. Kathy Bright. The monstrous Mark Hatherley. Maxwell Traver. Michael Wagner. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick. Jeff and Rick present. Rob Morgan. This guy, right? That, that guy. Yes. Ross the show. Ryan Daly. Samantha Manning. Sean Urbanski. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Toronto Cop. And Brad Morin. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com 
and we will get it straightened out. So you might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? It's impossible. Back to you, Jared. I mean, I'm not asking. Pat, are, are you asking? I'm not asking. All oh, right, it's yeah. simple. It's simple, okay? If you're not me, just head over to Patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out, I guess. I still think he's Jason Kane. <laughs> <Maybe. laughs> <Me too. laughs> Don't have any extra scratch laying around, but still want to help us out here at LBC headquarters? Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just star ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show, and we will share your review on the next show. All right, time to get into this uh, mailbag with some likes, shares, and retweets. Jared, go ahead and kick us off. We got Warlord Worlds. Did we say which episode we're talking about? No, we didn't. I'll I say it. Oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. Don't worry. You know, we, we can we can always say War, Warlord Worlds, but we can now say it was episode 55 of the Sherlock Holmes series, which was the case of the Royal Murder. And our guest was Dr. G. Chris at BTO and Batbooks. Tracker Talk. Dear Watchers, a Marvel What If podcast. Hmm. All right, well, there ain't no pack of power. The power pack is a power pack, power pack, power don't stop. The hammer strikes. And geeky stuff in voiceover. The monstrous Mark Hatherly. Rad adventures. Captivating Kathy Bright. Dr. G, neurologist, you better have liked it. You were on the show. Siskoid. <laughs> <laughs> Fan Film Fridays. These are the days of high adventure. Podcast. Coffee and comics. Timmy, Tim Price, come on down. Roy Patterson. And I look at Fetty Wolf. And last, certainly not least, also locked in the basement, Clinton Robinson. And that's it for this episode of Saturday Matinee Theater. If you'd like to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, check out the Longbox Crusade. Pat, where can they find that? Well, Delvin, I am glad you asked. You can find us on the iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers or at www.longboxcrusade.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Longbox Crusade. Back to you, Delvin. Thanks, Pat. If you want to hear us on our trek through all the James Bond films, check out On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. Jared, where can they find that? Well, I've brought in a new James Bond cast member for an impression on this episode. It is the Minister of Defense. Minister, where can they find it? Hmm. All right. Thanks for that. Anyways, <laughs> if you want to, you can go check out on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast on Google Play, iTunes, most your podcatchers, www.secretpodcast.podbean.com, or on Twitter, we are at OHMSPod. Isn't that right, Minister? Mm. And now that Jared and Jason are thoroughly amused, if you'd like to chat with us online, we could be found at Delvin. Oh, oh, oh my bad. That's me. Uh, D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1977. Pat. Well, Delvin, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Jared, where can they find you? I'm at Yard Sale Artist Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. Or you can check out theyardsaleartist.com. Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. Rob. If you really want to know, Twitter and Instagram, Rob AU94. War Eagle Rob, thanks for coming. We appreciate you having Eagle. you. You did awesome, man. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Saturday Matinee Theater. 
Get your utility belt stocked up and find the Boy Wonder because our next episode will continue our journey through the 1943 Batman serial. We'll see you next episode for Chapter 5, The Living Corpse. The meetup location, Gotham City.